Welcome to episode 81 of the Girl About the Globe podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by the current Global Travel Writer of the Year and fellow adventurer Jessica Vincent to discuss the best British travel writing of the 21st century. If you've ever wanted to become a travel writer or you're just looking to get inspired by the best travel writing, this episode is for you. Stay tuned. Welcome to Girl About the Globe, a podcast for you as a solo female traveller, empowering women to travel solo with maximum adventure, minimum impact. Welcome to another episode of the Girl About the Globe podcast, empowering you to travel solo with maximum adventure, minimum impact. Today I'm joined by the amazing British travel writer and adventurer Jessica Vincent. Jessica is a multi-award winning travel journalist whose work has appeared in National Geographic Traveller, BBC Travel, CNN Travel, The Independent, The Telegraph and so many more. So thank you for joining me today Jessica. Thanks for having me, pleasure to be here. Thank you. I love the fact that you've been living out of a backpack since you graduated. Can you just take us back to that time and where your sense of wanderlust began? Yes, I was 21 when I graduated uh, from university and straight away I took an internship in London. So I didn't have this kind of gap. I didn't ha- I didn't take a gap year between school and university and then again between university and work. So I went straight into work. And I think in hindsight, that was probably a mistake um, because I lasted nine months in a proper job in London and um, the whole time I was just thinking about travel that's all I could think about Um, so I actually approached my uh, employer and said you know would you take me on remotely if I go and travel and this is before Covid right this is like five six five years ago so it wasn't that especially for an intern um, to ask uh, your employer if you could go traveling um, yeah. so I thought they were going to say no but to my surprise they were really lovely about it and they said yeah we'll take you on it was for a fraction of, of the money that I was getting in the office but to me you know, it was a few pennies that I could, it would pay for, you know, my, my hostel rooms uh, for, for some of them. <laughs> so I was really excited and I booked a one-way flight um, to Cuba. And wow. yeah, now five years on, I'm, I'm still living out of a backpack. And I haven't, haven't had a home since. So um, yes, it, it went well. So are you location independent? I am. Yes. So at the moment, I still don't have a base as such, which is even for a travel writer is quite unusual. I think most people have a base and I am getting to a point where I probably need one. I'm currently doing this podcast from my nan's house. So um, (laughs) it is getting to that point where I probably do need a house. But um, yes, I have been living out of my backpack and just working, working on the road in different places, living in Airbnbs, things like that. That's amazing. That's kind of similar to me as well. The, and it's quite a kind of trendy topic now, isn't it, to become nomadic and live wherever you choose. What do you love so much about the lifestyle? Oh, I, think, I think it's just the freedom to, to be able to wake up on a Monday morning and go for a walk on the beach or go for a hike in the mountains 
it's some there's something very liberating and very empowering to be able to do something like that I don't want to say whatever you want whenever you want because there are that isn't you know the case there are certain yeah. things that have to be done at a certain time as you know uh, we do have responsibilities even as remote workers but there is an incredible sense of freedom for me which I which I love uh, and that doesn't have to be you know as a travel writer that is just having the independence to live and work where I want and to choose my hours as well is is incredibly liberating for me you know I don't get paid holiday uh, there are some cons but for me that freedom is it trumps all of that so that's my favorite thing I think Definitely. And which countries have surprised you the most since you've been living out of a backpack? I think I spent a lot of time in Central and South America. And Mexico, for me, was one of those countries where I knew it'd be, I knew I, I always wanted to go there, but it was so much more than what is reported on about Mexico. Mexico is one of those countries that either gets a really bad rap or the articles that are on it are very much about Cancun, about the beach, yeah. uh, about the party, nightlife. And it does have all of that. But it also has an incredible, you know, it has incredible cities with Mexico City, for example. I'd Before I went six, five years ago, I only heard negative things about Mexico Dang. City. Yeah. I heard that it was dangerous, um, not a place for, you know, a young woman to be going to. Uh, but but when I got there, it just completely blew my mind. It's actually one of my favourite cities. So much to do. It's it's th- so much culture, yeah. um, art, food. Uh, cr- it, it's just it, everything that you could ever possibly want and actually not not as dangerous as as people make out it's it really I, I actually felt safe in the parts of Mexico City that I was in and in general Mexico for me is a country that is so diverse it has so many indigenous cultures so mm. you can be in one state and experience a completely different Mexico in Oaxaca than you can in Chiapas you know it's, it's completely different so for me Mexico opened up my eyes to to how different a place can be especially, you know, compared to what's portrayed in the media. Yeah, definitely. Does that mean that you travel solo most of the time? No, I actually travel. I traveled with my, my well, my boyfriend at the time, my fiance now. Um, but yeah, we traveled together. Oh, thank you. Um, we traveled, um, yeah, together a lot of the time. But through my work, I do also travel solo um, for a lot of the stories that I do for Nat Geo and, um, Condé Nast and all of those those are all um, independent so I've had experience of both traveling as a couple and alone both have their <laughs> their, their good bits and their bad bits <laughs> I've never really traveled with a partner apart from going on holiday with them so I imagine it's a bit more challenging actually like backpacking and doing the whole remote working with someone else yeah yeah yeah, it's a challenge. It's, we've de- we survived it, but there was definitely some <laughs> close calls. <laughs> definitely challenging. Congratulations on winning the Global Travel Writer of the Year. Has it always been your dream to become a travel writer? Because I think from the outside, looking in, it would seem as though you have a dream life. You're living a location-independent lifestyle. You have the freedom, like you say. You're traveling with your boyfriend, which is so cool. 
And then you're also a travel writer and you're an award-winning travel writer. So has it always been your dream to achieve that? Um, do you know, I, I actually didn't really know that this, A, this lifestyle and B, this career was possible when I was in my 20s wanting to travel. I really didn't feel like it was achievable. I didn't really know anyone who was doing it. I didn't know anyone personally. Uh, at the time, I think there's a lot of, there was a lot of bloggers living this life that I could see on social media. Mm. Um, but I didn't see that many travel writers because they weren't as visible as Instagrammers yeah. and bloggers. And for me, I, I couldn't see myself doing the, the social media thing I was like I don't know if that's me I don't know if I can do that because I wanted to write I didn't want to just that I take the photography or just do social media or just have my own blog I felt like I'd come too late to the blogging scene to be able to make it so I really I really did want to I knew I could write and I really did want to write for it was a dream to write for publications like Nat Geo, like Condé Nast. Mm -hmm. It was the kind of things that I was reading to get inspiration for my travels. Uh, but it just didn't feel possible. I didn't I didn't know how to achieve. I didn't know anyone in the industry. But slowly, slowly through travel is how I got into travel writing. It sounds kind of obvious, but it it doesn't happen that way for everyone. You know, a lot of people have journalism degrees yeah. or uh, they worked as staff writers in newspapers and then transitioned to travel writing. But for me, it really was, I wanted to travel first. That was my first goal. And then I actually started with copywriting jobs just on the road uh, using sites like Upwork, um, <laughs> which wouldn't recommend now, but it, it helped me to get some experience uh, and then slowly I started to put together some ideas from my travels and started pitching to um, different publications. So the dream was definitely the dream was to travel initially to answer your question. And then the writing bit uh, came later when I, I started doing more research and I felt like actually maybe it is a career that exists and is possible because to me, it just seemed, as you said, like a dream life. It just wasn't attainable. <laughs> That's amazing. So it must have been really difficult for you when the pandemic hit and you weren't able to travel. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like everyone found it difficult, you know, and I, I didn't have it bad compared to most. I had a roof over my head um, and I had some money um, to to make ends meet. But yeah, I went from traveling full time and uh, travel being my my living just like you um you know yeah. being my source of income you yeah. know exactly how this feels to overnight I lost all my work lost all my commissions so that was scary especially you know I was just at the beginning of the pandemic I was kind of just starting to get regular mm. writing jobs I'm very much a newbie in the industry so two years ago you know I was just getting my first big jobs and then it felt like it all came crashing down but I'm still here. I'm still alive. And of course, the book, The Best British Travel Writing, came yes. out of, of the pandemic. So it um, didn't go to waste. <laughs> I, love two that. I love that because I read in the foreword that because you couldn't travel, it made you start thinking about storytelling. And then what inspired you to travel in the first place, which was storytelling and the idea of the book. So can you tell us more about the book? Yes, yeah, so it's a collection of 30 
travel stories uh, published in UK media, so UK newspapers, magazines, like National Geographic, like Condé Nast, from uh, travel writers. So I wanted to put together a collection that really celebrated uh, travel storytelling at a time where we couldn't travel. Mm -hmm. uh, and lots of travel writers, freelance travel writers like myself, had lost their work. Uh, so I put after I pitched the idea to Summersdale, um, our wonderful publishers who loved the idea and, and said they'd, they'd, they'd help us get the book out there, uh, we put out a call on social media for writers to submit what they believe to be the, their best work over the last 20 years. And we got hundreds, hundreds of submissions. Uh, so it was a really, really difficult choice. But then myself... Leveson Wood, Manisha Rajesh and Simon Wilmore, there's four of us editing this book, uh, chose the 30 final stories. That, yeah, that must have been a challenge from 100 because the 30 that you've picked are actually really diverse, aren't they? Yeah, there's a huge, huge range. Uh, we've got stories... It, diverse in terms of destinations in terms of voices yeah. uh, in terms of uh, subject matter there's stories um kayaking in in new zealand from walking trails in in rural iraq it really is you've got lots and lots of different different stories written by lots of different people from very different backgrounds as well and that was something that that's no accident we really did want to have an anthology that celebrated the diversity that is in travel writing, I believe, but hasn't really been celebrated or been allowed to come to the fore as much as we'd like to. Um, but I, I'm, I think we're at a crossroads where we are starting to, to champion more diverse vo voices in travel in general. But um, the last 20 years have been you know primarily white male um is is very very dominated in the travel industry but this book i hope uh kind of looks to, to the future of travel writing which is hopefully a bit more diverse yes and you have a few stories from women who have traveled solo in the book as well don't you Yes, yes. Lots of different stories from women. I'm trying to think. Uh, Lola Akimade, Noor Sarawiwa, uh, Sophie Roberts, who goes to Chad on her own. With Well, she, it's, it's on a group. I think it's organised, but it, it is on her own to, in the middle of remote Chad um, <laughs> in the desert, which is an incredible story. She meets a really amazing uh, man in there who who shows who is from Chad and shows shows her around and um, gets to see parts of the country that that many of us wouldn't uh, without that that meeting that person so that's a brilliant story um, yeah there's lots of for me women travel writers their stories are always to me as a female writer I love reading them because you can always kind of I can connect connect with it a lot more you can always tell a female voice I think in travel writing so yeah that was lovely to see that so many women did submit work it's definitely a lot of a lot of powerful, powerful female stories in there it's such a great project though and especially because you thought of the idea during the pandemic when you were reading the stories has it inspired you to go to any countries that you hadn't thought of going to before yeah, definitely. I mean, I mentioned Sophie Roberts' story and, and Chad. You know, mm. I hadn't. I Chad was never, um, you know, on my. I'd never thought of going to Chad, but no. reading her story, 
Yeah. yeah, I know because it it says somewhere in the story how many people visit a year, but it's not a lot, and it has so much to offer uh, for the adventurous traveler. And it was it's something that it did inspire me. That's on the on the subject of female writers as well. Karen mm-hmm. Edwards, she goes to Pakistan, uh, wrote a beautiful story. It's in about her trip there in the mountains. Uh, staying with a family there. Pakistan's another one that I'd, I'd love to go to after reading her story. Uh, gosh, there's so many uh, kayaking down the Congo River. It's loads, loads, so many that I hadn't thought of. Um, but also mm. stories closer to home. There's some in the UK and that inspired me. There's a story by Ray Bucock. It's a beautiful story. It is during, during the pandemic. It's after Brexit. Um, there's a lot of kind of it's called current affairs so there's like a political thread through there but really it's it's a story of Ray walking along along the English coast path and trying to find kind of what unites us as Brits and at the same time her description is amazing of of conversations she overhears while she's having her her fish and chips on the beach uh, it just inspires you as well to kind of get out in your own hometown and really have that sense of adventure, not having to leave your home at all. You can you can always hear stories and and have a sense of adventure if you if you've got that mentality. So, yeah, really good story. So many good stories in that. I could go on. <laughs> and do you feel that storytelling has been lost within travel blogs? Because I started my blog about ten years ago, and at the time. I think quite a few female bloggers started because they were just relaying their stories of traveling to new destinations at the time. But now it's kind of changed and it's more about monetizing it and making a full-time income out of it. It feels, I know this personally as well, because from my own blog, I'm finding that I'm having to write more content that's more fact-based and it's Mm. taken it away from not that it wasn't factual in the first place, but the reason I started it was for storytelling and to share these little mini adventures that I have, like a conversation with a local or something funny or silly that happens to me that I wanted to tell other people. And I, I feel that that's got lost a little bit and I would love to go back to writing more of those stories. So it's great that you've produced a book that is all about storytelling yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to, um, I'm obviously, I don't have my own blog. I write only for um, publications, uh, but I do, I have to admit, I find it difficult to read some blogs um, because, as you say, there isn't that storytelling element. It's very much, you know, you know, go here and here's the best 15 you know, restaurants or, or, or I did this, I did this, this is what you should do. Um, very kind of, it's, it, it's service writing, right? It's, it's telling people yeah. what to do, how to do it, um, which of course people do want that. And there is a place for that. Even in, in magazines, they all do that as well. Um, so it's not just blogs that, that okay. are doing that. It's the top magazines, Nat Geo always have their, you know, top 15 cities to go to this summer. Uh, because it is, you know, as you say, it's that monetizing game, it's clickbait, it's trying to get eyes onto your content. And that's the reality that many people have to do to survive. And if that's what's popular, if that's what people want, then we do have a job to do. And we do have to answer to what people want. But 
I do think there are a lot of people that also want to hear people's stories I won't I won't hear of anything different if anyone wants to say that long form is dead I don't believe it because I enjoy reading it so I think other people must enjoy it too and publications are still running stories uh, as it goes to show you know we, we had hundreds of submissions for this yeah. so there are people that are creating these long form stories and I think blogging for me from the from an outsider looking in it felt like blogging is very inward looking you know it's about the blogger whereas the reason I wanted to write for publications was because they are outward looking they're very much about the, the writer in, in in lots of good stories mm. kind of disappears we're just a mouthpiece for the mm. destination and for the story for the people there that's how I see my role I want to go to a destination and if I hear of an incredible person doing some incredible things it's not about me it's about them and I'm just using my writing skills my connections to the publication to get their voice heard or to get their story out there to a different audience that they might not necessarily reach on their own so that's the difference and yeah I, I would love to see more more storytelling and more just thoughtful um reports from from bloggers when they when they go out there into the world and just really as you said keeping making sure that we're reporting fairly and letting people's voices come through a little bit more very true what are your plans for the future do you have any countries lined up to go to and as a travel writer do you choose where you want to go depending on what story you want to pitch how how do you do it Oh yeah, good question. Before I kind of just, I I, I normally just go where I want to and then <laughs> I'm like, oh, this looks really interesting. And I mean, every country, this is what I'm learning, every country has stories. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you go. You know, some people are very like, no, oh, that, that country, if you go to Italy, everything's been written about Italy. And that is so not true. I found even the destinations that have been written about over and over again, you still find some little thing because your your experience is different to another writer's experience. Yeah. So you always find stories. So how I do it, I normally do research ahead of time uh, and into the things that I already enjoy. I usually I, I travel for food. I travel for traditions, indigenous culture. So I'll search those things and normally... I'll choose my destination based on that. But yeah, as I say, pretty much every country I've been to, there's been something surprising and something really interesting to write about. So if anyone's decided, you know, don't worry too much about the destination. I think bucket lists are, are really, you know, everyone has like their list that they want to go to. But sometimes you can have the best time in a country where, where you didn't know anything about it and it wasn't necessarily on your top 10 list. And it, it because it's surprising, because you haven't researched it and seen loads of photos on social media, it makes it even better. So um, try and let go of your bucket list sometimes. It does help. <laughs> Definitely. I went to West Africa for a month in December and I didn't do hardly any research and I fell in love with Sierra Leone. And I had so many stories that I've, I've written up a couple of them, but it, oh, it just gave me so much inspiration and so much creativity when I was there and I didn't expect to like the places so much but it's because I had no expectation whatsoever 
it was yeah it's fantastic so you're right just don't don't think about your bucket list just go to a destination absolutely do you have any advice for anybody who wants to get into travel writing oh where do I start (laughs) where do (laughs) I start really think about why you want to be a travel writer if you're starting out really think about what your motivations are uh what what kind of travel writer you want to be so by motivation I mean do you want to be a travel writer because you look at travel writers and bloggers and think their life is amazing I want free trips I want to go to the Maldives and have everything paid for and and just have a wonderful life because the reality is that Yes, we do get sponsored of the trips. Yes, we do get to go on some incredible trips and, and that's not to take away from that. Uh, but but travel being a travel writer is an incredibly tough and, uh, and sometimes lonely. It can be lonely. You know, you, you're traveling long hours. Uh, you work long hours for not a lot of money um, in case people think that travel writing is kind of bringing in the big bucks. But, you know that's just this isn't to put you off it's just so so you have an expectation real expectation yeah. of what being a travel writer is and that is being on the road a lot of the time and being prepared to put in long hours uh for not not that much money for the amount of time that you put into it um so really think about your motivations would be my first my first thing because that will impact on what kind of travel writer you want to be so for example if your motivation is to stay in beautiful hotels, to eat really brilliant, you know, you want to go Michelin style food, then you want to become a luxury travel writer. You want to be writing for the Condé Nast, for the travel and leisure. If your motivation is slightly different, you actually want to go on more expedition style trips. You're really interested in history and culture and you love interviewing people and getting people's stories out. Then maybe you want to write more for you know, the National Geographic style uh, publications and you'll have to work, you know, long hours. Um, you're not working in luxury, so it might be paid a little less. So, yeah, all of those things I didn't know when I started out. But I think looking back, I wish I'd known sooner, you know, why I want to do it and what kind of travel writer I want to be and who I want to write for. So start there. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you've done amazing. Yeah, definitely. Have. You've done amazing considering you said you were a newbie writer just before the pandemic. I was. Yeah, I know. I'm still learning. This is what I love about being a writer. Every every day you learn, especially as a freelance writer. Um, but if I can do it, anyone can. I truly believe that. If I did it with no contacts, <laughs> with very little money, no journalism degree. And, and here I am. So if you want to be a travel writer, don't listen to people that tell you it's not possible because it is. Um, I, I got told many a time that it wasn't possible and here I am and enjoying it. I really do enjoy it. Good. It's obviously what you're meant to be doing, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I can't imagine myself doing anything else at the moment. So, but yeah, as I say, a house would be good. Saving. It's in progress. <laughs> Is that your plan for this year? Yes, yeah, it really. I mean, even some, I love to travel. I love being on the road. But um, yeah, it gets to a point where even even travel writers do need a little a little home base at some point. So we'll see, we'll see. And it, it, I find that it gets to a stage where 
you feel like you're constantly working because you're if you're traveling all the time you're seeing new things you're taking photos or as a blogger anyway you're writing down notes you're thinking about hooks and angles you're writing down facts so it's very hard to take time off people who have a different type of job would then go on holiday just to have that rest time but when you write about travel it's very hard to get that that time off isn't it not that that's negative but that's just uh no it is yeah this is yeah this is just being realistic you know I think Mm. people are like how can you complain you guys you know you bloggers you writers have the had the perfect life but it it is um it's very hard to switch off it is a definitely full-on I mean I got like you said I go somewhere and it's meant to be a holiday and I can't I've got my notepad out it's it's kind of an obsession it's a bit weird (laughs) so I'm glad you're the same I'm glad I'm not the only I've been doing it since I can remember I've just been writing notes and notes because I did some travel writing before and I got published in a a few magazines and some airline magazines but even before that I was just writing notes just just because and just in case yeah Yeah, it's like ingrained in me I can't do a tour I can't go anywhere without writing notes and it's it's very hard to switch off yeah (laughs) you need a meditation retreat I think (laughs) <laughs> oh I know I know I think our friends and family look at us and go you what you can't relax what are you doing I think that's like it's nice to go on holiday or go on work trips with fellow like bloggers and writers because they understand they're like it's okay I know you're I know you've got to work <laughs> yeah oh thank you so much for your time today is there anything else that you wanted to add about the book just before we wrap up um, just anything? to let people people know that um the book's available uh to buy now on amazon waterstones wh smith daunt books all the great bookshops uh, across the uk so uh if you love travel writing please do support these amazing writers i'm sure there's a, so many stories in there that that you'll you'll enjoy so yes available to buy and if you enjoy it please leave us an amazon review that really helps as well great thank you jess and i'll put a link to a few places where people can get their hands on the book as well thank you so much for your time and i wish you every success in the future thank you so much thank you and you can find out more about jessica at her website jessicagvincent.com And the book, The Best British Travel Writing of the 21st Century, is available now in all big bookshops. Thanks for listening to our Girl About the Globe podcast, making solo travel easier for you. Find everything that you need for your solo travels at girlaboutheglobe.com and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.